kickbacks under Arthur's watch. When President Hayes suspended Arthur from his position, Arthur returned to his law practice in New York. Yet Arthur continued to be involved in Republican politics and emerged as the vice presidential nominee in 1880 when James Garfield won the surprise nomination for president on the 36th ballot. Arthur's emergence on the national stage coincided with the recent death of his beloved wife, Ellen Herndon Arthur, who died in January 1880 from pneumonia. Arthur grieved for his wife through his tenure as vice president and president, leaving her room in the New York brownstone untouched from the day she died. Despite the controversy over his removal as head of the New York Custom House, Arthur received the number two spot on the ticket in exchange for support of Garfield's nomination by Conkling, who was the leader of the stalwart faction of the Republican Party. As vice president, Arthur had to contend with conflict between President Garfield and Arthur's political patron, Senator Conkling. The senator's support for Garfield faded quickly when the president refused to appoint office-seekers suggested by Conkling. After Garfield ignored these suggestions for an appointment to the New York Custom House, Conkling resigned from the Senate in protest. In loyalty to Conkling, Arthur had no further contact with Garfield, preferring to stay in New York whenever possible and only coming to Washington to preside over the Senate. Presidency Vice President Arthur's minimalist approach to the position was suddenly shaken on July 2, 1881, with news that President Garfield had been shot and critically wounded while waiting for a train in Washington, D.C. Charles Guiteau, a pestering office-seeker who considered himself the savior of the stalwarts, shot President Garfield in the back at close range. Initial rumors suggested that the shooting was the work of a conspiracy of the Conkling faction, casting a dark shadow over Vice President Arthur as the possible beneficiary of the crime. However, this view was not widely shared. Most believed the underlying cause of the shooting to be the corrupting influence of the spoils system. According to an editorial in the National Republican, this desperate need of the assassin Guiteau was mainly, if not entirely, the promptings of a disappointed office-seeker. There is but little doubt that if Guiteau had not come here for the purpose of getting an office and had failed to do so, he would not have attempted to shoot the president. Yet there were still many who feared that if Garfield did not survive— Arthur, as president, would be a pawn of Conkling. Arthur immediately traveled to Washington after word of the shooting and met with cabinet members to assure them of his support and grief over the president's condition. It was clear to most who knew Arthur that the last thing he wanted was to move into the White House. Arthur found himself taking the oath of office as president in New York at 2.15 a.m., less than two hours after receiving a telegram notifying him of Garfield's death. His first official act as president was to call a special session of the Senate to elect a president pro tempore to ensure that a successor to the presidency would be in place. His brief inaugural address in Washington inspired guarded optimism among critics and continued to soften the suspicions that had followed Garfield's shooting in early July. President Arthur focused on maintaining stability rather than on launching his own ambitious program. This effort was successful, at least partly because of his somewhat leisurely approach to the office.
He appeared in the presidential office about ten o'clock each morning, receiving visitors, enjoying a long lunch at noon, and then continuing with visits and office work until finishing at five o'clock. Critics said he was indolent. Arthur complained about the stress of living where he worked and not being able to escape. He was bothered by the constant stream of callers and office seekers, and was particularly perturbed by the press. Arthur met with the cabinet twice each week and made three weekly appearances. Despite his disdain for this duty, Arthur was publicly very popular. Executive Power and Appointments President Arthur enjoyed sympathy in the wake of President Garfield's assassination and was considered a bright and able administrator from his days as a military quartermaster and as head of the New York Custom House. He initially kept the Garfield cabinet in place.